Today, some help on setting spiritual priorities here on Bold Steps Weekend. If you have neglected the center of your soul, you are missing the one thing that puts all things in proper perspective and balance, and that's your heart. Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, President of Moody Bible Institute and Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Well, Nehemiah is all about rebuilding, and the spiritual principles we read about can apply to us today when it comes to our families and our marriages, our own spiritual lives. Today, Pastor Mark helps us center on the path by focusing on getting our priorities right, starting with the most important thing. And Mark, the most important thing is... A clear focus on God. Absolutely. And here's the thing, Wayne. Nehemiah is trying to rebuild a city, rebuild a temple, rebuild a culture. And the principles that we learn from Nehemiah are both uh, community principles, but they're also personal principles. Mm. And uh, in this passage, he's really going to be talking about the checkpoints. What do we allow into our lives? Uh, Some of us need to be much more careful about the checkpoints because God is doing a work in our lives. He's moving in our lives. But if we're not careful, uh, stuff starts to get in that's going to really mess up the work that God started. We're told to take captive every thought. Absolutely. So these principles have to do with making sure you don't let in that which God has called you to keep out. So turn with us now to Nehemiah chapter 7 as we continue with our series called Rebuild Your Life, Your City, Your World. And to hear other messages from this series, visit boldstepsweekend.org. Boldstepsweekend.org. Now, Pastor Mark comes with a message called Securing the Borders of Your Life. So we arrive at chapter 7, and here's how it starts. After the wall had been rebuilt... And I had the door set in place. The gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were appointed. After the wall is rebuilt, the job is not finished. And really, Nehemiah chapter 7 is all about this. I want you to just get this in your mind. It's all about guarding the borders of your life. Here's the theme of Nehemiah chapter 7. Learn to guard the borders of what God is rebuilding in your life. Now, borders have been a big issue lately in America, right? There's been a lot of issue over the border between Mexico and the United States. There's been a lot of issue about the borders of uh, uh, Canada. There's been a lot of, it's been in the news, our customs in the airports, right? Because one of the things that we're frightened about is securing our borders so there will not be a terrorist attack. So it's been on the news. How secure are our borders? How vulnerable are we? What should be the methods of securing our borders? And so we understand national borders. But I want to say that every life has a border as well. That you and I have borders around our life. We have boundaries around our life. And there's things that come in and out of our life based on how secure our boundaries are. So with that in mind, I want us to look at Nehemiah chapter 7, and I want us to extract some principles that are important 
in securing the borders of our life. So principle number one, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. If you're going to secure the border of your life, you must set your spiritual priorities in order first. Notice what it says. After Nehemiah had built the wall, they finally built the wall, they hang the last door, and everybody starts clapping and cheering, yay, it's finished. But wait a second, it's not finished, it's only begun. The very first thing that Nehemiah does, it's just kind of uncanny, kind of strange what he would do. The very first thing that he does is he appoints three groups of people. He appoints the gatekeepers that are like ushers. He appoints singers, and he appoints Levites who were the priests. Now imagine for a second if you're trying to rebuild a city. Uh, Let's just kind of bring it to Chicago. And let's say there had been some big earthquake or hurricane or tornado in Chicago. The city's devastated. Well, you know, the infrastructure's broken down. We try to rebuild it, and Mayor Daly says, wow, we really need to get this city in order. Let's recruit a choir. That's the first thing we need to do. A choir? Why would we recruit a choir? Well, Nehemiah understood that everything flows out of your spiritual center and spiritual priorities. So the first three groups of people that Nehemiah sets in order in this devastated city are the choir, the singers, the worshipers. Secondly, the ushers who keep order in the temple and and just guard the temple door. And thirdly, the Levites who are the priests that offer sacrifice and do religious services. Now the question is, why those three groups of people? Because the city of Jerusalem, as it was being rebuilt, It needed a soul before it needs a structure. You see, oftentimes we go about solving the problems of our life by ignoring the center of the real problem in our life. You see, some of us think that our problem is the spouse that we're married to if they had a better attitude, but the real core of our problem is our spiritual life. Uh, Some of us think that really everything would be solved if the mother-in-law would just kind of butt out of our business. But, you know, that's, that's not the real problem. Oftentimes, the core of our problem starts with our spiritual life. It starts with our heart. Now, now let me illustrate it this way. H- have you ever tried to get dressed in the dark? Uh, sometimes I've done that. I, don't, I have a meeting in the morning. I don't want to wake up my wife, so trying to be considerate, I'll try to, you know, fumble around for my clothes and not turn the lights on. And I've done this before where I button my shirt. Well, first of all, I have unmatching socks, a blue one and a black one, and I don't realize it until, you know, you get into the light. But if you've ever done this before, you start to button your shirt and you button the wrong button to the wrong hole, the first one. Has everybody ever done that? I think some of you actually have the wrong button on your shirt here. And, and... And what happens when you have the wrong first button? What happens to your second button? It's misaligned. And then the third button and fourth button and fifth button, and all of your buttons get misaligned because you missed the mark with your first button. Is that not true? Our, our life is like that when it comes to our spiritual priorities. If you do not get your spiritual priority right, which is your first button, then chances are 
It's like a domino effect. The rest of the buttons in your life will also be off alignment with God and God's will and the best for your life because your spiritual priorities are not in order. Your marriage will suffer. Your finances will not be quite in place. I run into some people that want to rebuild their life, and so they, they, they go about all of the buttons but miss the first button. And they say, well, you know, I have to do debt consolidation, and I have a plan to get my finances in order and to put about some savings and to buy the house. I'm really working with my accountant. That's good. I'm glad you are. And then also, I want to get my physical life in order, so I'm going to the gym three or four times a week. I talk to a nutritionist, and they told me what I need to eat. I got this program, this exercise program down. I bought some shakes that I drink in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening. Tastes real nasty, but hey, I got a plan. Well, that's good. And then I talked to a career assessment person, and they've laid out track of how to really improve my career. And to do so, I'm studying some graduate school and some college. And I, I talked to my advisor. I got a plan. I got some courses. I'm getting my life in order. And I say, that's good. But if you're trying to get all aspects of your life in order, but you have neglected the center of your soul, which is your heart and your spiritual life, then my friend, you are missing the one thing that puts all things in proper perspective and balance, and that's your heart. Amen. What Nehemiah was doing is he's trying to rebuild a city, but he says what needs to get happening first before there's a sewer system, before there's garbage disposal, before there's police, before there's streets and sanitation, we got the choir singing in this devastated city. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but Nehemiah understood we got to get the spiritual part in order first so that everything flows out of that. Now, let me say this. When, when we're talking about getting our spiritual life in order, you know, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All what things? All the other things in life. If there's a priority of seeking the kingdom and his righteousness, and then everything else will fall in place. I love the story of Jesus when he was at the house of Mary and Martha, who were the sisters of Lazarus, the fellow that was resurrected. And there's a gathering at Mar Mary and Martha's house, and Martha was a purposeful individual, a high D personality, always worried about making sure everything was perfect, and she's frantic and a little bit overwhelmed with all the stress of getting things ready for the guests that are coming over to the house. And she looks at her sister Mary, and Mary's sitting there at the feet of Jesus, listen to him, and she says, Jesus, please, could you tell Mary to help me out? I mean, I'm really stressed out. And Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha. You know when you're in trouble when people say your name twice, right? Mark, Mark. Martha, Martha. You're worried and anxious about a lot of things. And then Jesus says something that kind of shocks you a little bit. But he says only one thing is needed. 
One thing, Jesus, come on. I mean, I, I got a thousand things I'm juggling. No, one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that one thing. Now, what did he mean by one thing is needed? Jesus was saying, this is the priority. If you get this straight, everything in life tends to fall into place. It's the piece of the puzzle that if you get it right, all the other pieces of the puzzle start falling in place as well. Well, what is the secret of life? What is that one thing? He doesn't explain it. He doesn't say what Mary was doing, but he illustrates this. What was Mary doing? Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening, quiet and listening to the words of Jesus. That there, There's a place in our heart and our lives that has to be quiet to listen to the voice of God. When our spiritual life is well, is healthy, when right relationship with God, we're hearing God, we're walking at peace with God, it's amazing. It doesn't mean that everything in life is going to be, go smoothly, there's not going to be troubles, there's not going to be problems. It doesn't mean that. Life is full of problems. Things happen. People get sick, jobs close. It doesn't mean that everything goes smoothly, but it means that when you have your spiritual priorities straight, that God gives you the power, the ability, the wisdom, the strength to be able to handle whatever comes your way because your spiritual compass is on target. Amen? So if you're guarding, if you're guarding your borders of your life, that one of the best guards of the borders of your life is, first of all, you need to get your spiritual life straight. Number two, I'm talking about securing the borders of your life. After he appointed the gatekeepers and the singers and Levites, he put in charge of Jerusalem, basically appointed a mayor of Jerusalem, Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most men do. Verse 3. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their houses. The second principle in guarding your borders is this. If you're going to secure the borders of your life, you will need to establish standards to control what comes in and out of your life. You're listening to Pastor Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps Weekend. The title of today's message is Securing the Borders of Your Life, and we'll continue with the conclusion of today's program in just a moment. If you missed any part of this series called Rebuild, no problem. You can listen anytime at your convenience on our website, boldstepsweekend.org. Our sermon archives are available on demand. That address again is boldstepsweekend.org. Well, coming up in the second half, Mark Job points out that we all have weak spots along with the borders of our spiritual houses. Well, coming up in the second half, Mark Job points out that we all have weak spots along the borders of our spiritual houses and suggests we pay attention to what comes in and goes out of our lives. That's the theme of our message drawn from the practical rebuilding efforts of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. So here again is Mark Job on Bold Steps Weekend. Nehemiah built the wall around Jerusalem, but just because you build the wall doesn't mean that everything is finished. Now you have to control, you have to establish borders, your, your customs, so to speak, to control what comes in and out of your life. And I want you to notice this. 
Most cities in that day had a standard practice. When the sun rose, they opened up the door, the gates of the city. When the sun went down, they closed the gates of the city. Notice Nehemiah is stricter than the cities of that day. He says, he says, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. Aha, uh-huh. it's a little different than the cities around him. Notice this, Nehemiah is stricter than most cities. Why? Because Jerusalem is more vulnerable than most cities because it's just being rebuilt. Uh, oh, I wish, I wish you could hear me this morning. Listen, some of you need to start being a little stricter about what you let in your life and out of your life. You need to guard your borders better, especially if you're rebuilding and your life is vulnerable. Uh, what am I saying? Well, let, let me illustrate it this way. Um, I believe, for example, families, if you're a father or mother here and you have kids and, and you're responsible for your family, and in the past, uh, your responsibility would be to watch who come in, came in your front door to affect your children. And if I were to say to you, hey, would you allow some, someone in your family, open up the door, let someone in your family that you think could harm your children or could expose your children to really bad influence, you say, no way. No way. Someone shows up at your door and there's some, some slinky guy dressed like he's about to, you know, uh, hurt someone and he's surrounded by a girl that looks like a prostitute and they say, hey, can we just come in and hang out in your living room and we're just, and hang out with your 10-year-old? You say, no way. I mean, are you crazy? Get that spike thing off your neck and you put some clothes on, you're going to hang out with my 10-year-old? No, I'm not going to let you in my house. Oh, no, we got our house under control. But let me, let me tell you this. Your front door in this day of technology, your front door is no longer the only entrance into your house. Because now we have boxes in our house, little black boxes that we call television. And those boxes have also become entrances into our household. And that entrance into our household needs to be monitored by adult responsible parents so that everything that's on those channels doesn't come just unfiltered into our household. You wouldn't let that uh, street walker come in and hang out with your 10-year-old, yet your 10-year-olds oftentimes are hanging out with undesirable characters and watching undesirable things because the box is babysitting them. Oh, did it get quiet in here. <laughs> well, you see, as a parent, I know. I have a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 8-year-old. And I realize that your kids get nice and quiet if you put them in front of a television and just turn on the challenge and you say, oh, they're busy. Yeah, busy doing what, though? You see, I believe it's the responsibility of the parents to monitor what your children can watch and what they cannot watch because there's a lot of garbage out there and it's your responsibility to determine what is it that people are watching in your household, what are you allowing to come into your household and what are you, there needs to be border control. Hello? And the same for the internet. 
You know, it used to be that when someone wanted to uh, access hardcore, devious, dark, sadistic pornography, that they would have to go to some seedy neighborhood and park their car in front of this uh, little shack with little red lights that says adult bookstore, kind of look around, make sure no one's in, get in the back door, go behind a curtain somewhere, access the pornography section, rent it out, go back home, try to not, not their wife not see them, play the video when no one was watching, and then take it back. That used to be the way it works, but you see it doesn't work that way anymore. Now, your nine-year-old can get on a laptop computer and within three clicks can be on a free internet pornography site that has graphic images that used to be only accessible in some dark adult bookstore and now within the click of a couple mouses can be accessible to your eight or nine year old unless it's monitored. Are you tracking with me? And you see a lot of parents, here's what I want to say, if you can't monitor it, don't buy it. You say, oh pastor, I just don't know about computers and stuff. Learn. Well, you know, I, I, I trust them. Oh. You're going you're to trust a 10-year-old with curiosity to have unmonitored access to the website where people oftentimes, if you're not careful, those pop-ups that are solicitating. Listen, you're in for a rude awakening. I'm saying it's your job as a parent to monitor what comes in your household, and it's your job as a parent to begin to protect your children from what they can be exposed to because you are guarding your borders. Are you tracking with me? You're guarding the borders of what are, are coming in and it is your responsibility to make sure because, because you are the one that God has entrusted with the security of the, own, the borders of your own household. And if you're not careful, the borders of your own household can be easily breached unaware by technology. Now, I, I love technology and I... I believe technology is neutral. It can be used for good or evil, and, and, and I don't think I'm not bad-mouthing technology, but I believe that all technology needs to be monitored. And if you have children at home, you need to be monitoring the technology and the waves that come in and out of your household. You need to be securing the borders. You say, well, pastor, I'm not married. I'm just a single guy. Then great. You need to be watching your heart. You need to be watching what your eyes see, what you are exposed to. You need to be watching what comes in your house and what goes out of your house as well, especially when you are rebuilding because when you are in a process of rebuilding, you are most vulnerable. Uh, let me give you another illustration of this. I'm talking about securing the borders. You say, Pastor, praise God. I've been sober for three years, hallelujah. I haven't drank and God has delivered me. I'm walking as a clean man and I used to be an alcoholic and used to go out to drug addiction, but whoa, I'm a changed person. That's great. Praise God for that. But let me tell you something. Just because you haven't gone to the bottle of alcohol in three years doesn't mean that your borders don't need to be secure. wise advice. This is Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, and our message is titled, Securing the Borders of Your Life. 
Part two resumes next weekend, so I hope you'll join us again when Pastor Mark reminds us the borders in our life are never as strong as we think they are. You know, sometimes life can get a little messy, and when challenges do come our way or the situation seems to be getting out of hand, we might begin to question God's plan. Well, this is the main focus of our Bold Action Gift, and here's Mark to tell us a bit more about the book titled, You Can Trust God to Write Your Story. If you pause a movie right in the middle, chances are it won't look like a happy ending. That's because, with any good story, the drama and chaos are still building, all the way until that well-deserved resolution finally arrives. According to the Bible, the same is true with God's eternal story. And to better understand how our plot twists are all part of God's plan, you'll want to read a book by Nancy and Robert Walgamuth called You Can Trust God to Write Your Story. In this convicting and yet comforting resource, you'll be encouraged to see your life story through a new lens while learning how to rest in God's providence and His sovereignty. If you've ever wondered, what is God doing with my life and where is He taking me, then this resource is one that you do not want to miss. It's our bold action gift, and you can request a copy today when you give a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. Thank you, Mark. Just call us at 866-535-5580. That's 866-535-5580 or donate online at boldstepsweekend.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd on behalf of the entire team. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time when we'll learn more from Nehemiah's example of how to reflect God's standards through the way we live. That's coming up next time on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.